Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Baggies Broadcast Season 2, Episode 39. My name is Luke Hatfield and I am joined by my arch nemesis for the next 8 to 10 days, um, Mr Matt Wilson, our West Brom reporter. How are you Matt? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I think it's only 8 days because it's the Tuesday game, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, I mean, depending on what happens, I suppose somebody might be seething for the two days afterwards. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's the next eight days where we're going to have... Well, there's only going to be one show in town, really, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there is. No no other games matter for us now, do they, Matt? Um, one thing before we get onto the meat of this podcast, which is going to be meaty, by the way. <laughs> it's going to be meaty. <laughs> it's going to be very meaty. Uh, not great for the vegetarian listeners amongst us. Um, you hear the intro music? New intro music? Yeah, very good. Um, it was given to us by a fan, wasn't it? Made... Made for us by a fan, yep. so uh, thank you very much. I've, I'm sorry I've forgotten his name, but I'm sure um, we will include him in the credits. Yeah, yeah, don't worry, I've got it written down. Composed by Albion fan Mark Griffiths. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you, Mark. It's a great little piece of intro music. It beats the stock intro music we've had for the last couple of seasons. Uh, and Mark was kind enough to get in touch and um, compose the music for us for free as well. How about that? Well done, Mark. And we busted it out for the playoffs because, you know... Special occasion calls for special measures, really. Certainly does. Um, are you ready? Are you ready for this next eight days? I am. I am actually. Um, it's going to be a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm working six or seven days this week. Um, but I am. It's you know, it's been gearing up to this for the last three or four weeks now. So mm. I'm actually kind of glad to get the regular season out of the way because they were they were turning into nothing games. I mean, the, the derby game was actually there was quite a lot of riding on it. It was a bit of atmosphere. Mm. But a few of the other games were like Reading and, and Rotherham. I, mean, I know I know Rotherham were, were were trying to stay up as well. Yeah. Um, but they just felt they all felt like starters. You know, they all felt like um, dress rehearsals before the main event. And mm. now we're at the main event. Um, yeah, I'm ready for it. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, you know, I'm sure we'll come on to um, how confident each side will be and and, mm. and, and all that sort of. Uh, all those sort of, sort of shenanigans, but um, for me, you know, th- this is this is the reason why you, you watch football, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I know obviously there's disappointment from Albion and from Albion fans, and and, and, and probably inside and outside of the club, that they didn't go up automatically. But in terms of you know, if you see football as an entertainment industry, which essentially that's what it is, yeah, um, you know, it doesn't get much more dramatic than two games in the space of four days against. You, one of your oldest rivals mm. um, with this much on the line and with this much subplot. I mean, it's you couldn't have handpicked the semi-finals better, could you? Really, with no. with, with Derby playing Leeds and, and Albion playing Villa, um, it's just it's it's yeah. I I just think it's it's great that that these scenarios have been thrown up, and, and I can't wait to to see what's going to happen because you know that something dramatic is going to happen. It, it just it's guaranteed to. Yeah, it's written in the stars, really. And I tell you what, it. Could have all been different, Matt, because I tell you what, West Brom um, chance for third, and they didn't they didn't manage it. At they blew Derby. it, yeah. Um, I mean, blowing it's probably pretty harsh. Um, it was just quite obvious in the second half that one team needed to win that game to to get into the playoffs, and one team had already got into the playoffs. I actually thought um, it's been quite a ne- quite a bit of a negative response, not only from Jimmy Shan, but the fans and also the players afterwards. I, I, you know, understandably so, quite a lot of disappointment. But I actually thought that, um, and, you know, and, and there were some bad points. You know, they defended really poorly, yeah. pretty much all game. I mean, Dawson had a nightmare. 
Bartley, who's been quite good recently, played poorly, I thought. Um, you know, the defending left a lot to be desired. Um, uh, you know, and the second half, they were, it was one-way traffic. But mm. for the first 50 minutes, I thought Albion played quite well, you know, in, in patches. They they create a lot of chances. Um, I was concerned before the game about the 3-4-3 because I thought it would leave Harper and Johansson exposed, and I think it did in the second half. Yeah. But in the first half, they sort of... Um, Got to grips with it. Um, Albion really should have been ahead at, at the break. You know they shouldn't have conceded that goal for for a couple of reasons, um, and they also um, should have scored a couple yeah. uh, through through uh, Jacob Murphy and Dwight Gale. So you know it wasn't as doom and gloom as as, as perhaps you know Jimmy Shan pulled no punches afterwards, uh, and there, there seemed to be quite a, a bit of. Um, Worried fans as well, you know, but uh, I, I don't know. I think that that it was it was obvious that one team needed to win that. I think if if Albion meet Derby in the final, should they get there? Yeah, that's a big if, of course. But um, I, I think Derby will probably have be favourites because they've they've done Albion twice now, and I think they are almost the perfect team to to um, threaten Albion's vulnerabilities, which is to pace. You know, they are yeah. they are. They cannot defend against pace and, and and midfield runners. And if I was Dean Smith and I was and I watched that game back, that's what I would be telling you know the likes of Grealish, McGinn, and, and Hurahan to um, you know if you run at if you run off Albion's midfielders and run at their defenders and run beyond the strikers, you'll get joy. Mm. Um, so that that's something that Albion have got have got to fix, I think, before before Saturday's game. Um, but I don't think it's as doom and gloom as everyone is um, is portraying. You know, Albion still finished fourth. They still finished above Villa. Yeah. Um, and they've still got some very good players. Okay, I, I concede that, that Villa are probably favourites um, because of the form that they're on, mm-hmm. um, and they've and they're probably going into the playoffs with a bit with a bit more momentum than Albion are. Um, but I don't think it's cut and dry uh, as everyone thinks it is. Yeah, certainly not. Um, it's, it's it's one of them encounters which you know could go either way. And as you said, I mean, it's it was hard, for, I think, for Albion to really get themselves up for a game where there wasn't a whole lot to play for. Yes, they could have, you know, they were probably looking at it and say, "Are we really going to get third? Leeds are playing Ipswich. Obviously, they you know the game's going on at the same time. But Derby are genuinely playing for their playoff place." It's yeah. just going to be hard to match that in that level of you know commitment and intensity. Yeah, and it, it was the perfect preparation for the playoff game. You had you know that's what it's going to be like at Villa Park on Saturday. It's going to it's probably even more so. It's probably going to be even more intense because you're probably going to have more fans and it's a local derby as well. Yeah. And the concerning thing is, I suppose that Albion almost wilted under the pressure in the second half. But how much do you read into that? Is that because they they knew that they didn't need to win, or is that because? They just wilt. They just wilt under pressure. You mm. know. Suppose if you look back on the season as a whole, they wilted against Sheffield United and Leeds in those massive games under Darren Moore. So I think there are concerns to be had there. Um, you know, do they do they really believe that they can beat Villa? I mean, I, I think they can. Yeah. But do they think they can? That's my question. You know, after the games on Sunday, um, Dean Smith was saying, you know, his side just lost. Okay, they lost to the champions, but they just lost and the end of a twelve-game unbeaten run. But he said, "No, nah, we're still positive. We still believe that we've got momentum. You know, we made I made changes. We played well, and it was it's all very positive at Villa at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's all kind of negative at Albion. I mean, everyone seems to be um, 
doom and gloom. And even Jimmy Shan, you know, as after the game was, I think he's probably doing that to get a reaction from his side because he knows that they can be better. And and I think everyone knows that they can they can be better. Um, but I, I, that's the concerning thing for me that one club is going into these these games with with a positive mentality and one club is going into these games with a negative mentality. Mm-hmm. And I think what needs to change over the course of the next four, five, six days. Is that switch? Is yeah. that is that switches? And then all of a sudden, Albion are right up for it. And actually, you know, we accept that Villa are a good side, and we accept that they they're on a bit of form. But we've got some good players. We've got two strikers who have scored forty five goals between them. We can hurt you. We've got Stefan Johansson, who, who you know is capable of of what he did on on Sunday. Yeah. Um, you know, we we we've got Chris Brunt, who I think Albion really missed. Um, on on Sunday, I think they missed that third body midfield. I don't like the three four three personally. I think at times Albin did put Derby on the back foot in the first half by, by pressing high in packs and, and and with the front three. But I thought Jacob Murphy was was poor for the most part. You know, he, he did lay a, a ball onto onto Dwight Gale, but I thought he was poor. I, I wouldn't see him in the starting lineup. I think the three five two is is the way that that Jimmy Sham will go, and they need to have that extra man in midfield. Otherwise, they just get overrun like they did in the second half. Mm. Um, but I don't. You know, I, I, as long as they can, as long as they believe that they can do it, there's no reason why they can't. I mean, they finished four, one place and four points ahead of Villa in the in the, in the division. They've scored more goals than them. They're, there's no reason why they can't beat them. Yeah. They beat them at Villa Park two months ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the derby game real quick. Um, obviously, Johansson scores. Um, Hagazi, by the way, in the build-up, does he fancy himself in central midfield all of a sudden? Yeah, it's, it's nice when Hagazi does that sort of thing. He does it every now and then. He does. He does seem to go on a wonder. Um, I thought he was probably the best of the back three. Really, I didn't think mm. much of Dawson and Bartley yesterday. Um, Hagazi was okay, um, not great defensively, but he made a couple of telling um, uh, contributions going forward. Stepped out with the ball quite well, um, and yeah, a nice little back heel mm-hmm. and a lovely finish from Johansson. I mean, he's capable of that. He, he scores. He scored quite a few goals for Fulham last season. So, um, of course, uh, Fulham side that beat Villa in the playoffs. So, yeah. you know, I wonder if, if that sort of um, experience might might he might be able to draw on that. I mean, I think Shan does prefer Harper and Johansson. I think that's clear. Mm. He wants. I think his midfield three will be Brunt, Harper, and Johansson. I think he sees Phillips. Whether it's down to fitness or whether it's down just because just because he sees Phillips more naturally as a winger and not necessarily a central midfielder, I think he sees Phillips as an impact sub. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Phillips doesn't start the game against Villa, particularly the first leg. Um, I think Albin will look to contain Villa for the first thirty minutes. And is Phillips the right man for that, or do you bring him off the bench after an hour and get him going? We we'll wait and see. Um, maybe, maybe he's maybe Shannon's been building Phillips up slowly to, to start him, and he'll and he'll start him ahead of Harper. Um, but I think Johansson will probably play. Mm, it'll be interesting either way. Um, anyway, you know, as you said, Derby kind of took control of its second half. Um, the Lawrence penalty, though, I mean, there's minimal contact there. I don't think it's technically a dive because he does catch him ever so slightly. But it seemed very strange for me having watched the replay the way he goes down because he's basically through on goal. Well, and that's that is why I think he obviously that is why I think he probably did get touched. I think there is minimal contact. Mm. He throws himself to the floor. Yeah. I think it's a dive. Uh, you know, but like you say, he's through on goal. Why is he going over there? I don't know. So, 
I think he. Uh, the thing is, I think he might escape punishment purely because there is very minimal contact. Yeah, he touches his foot. He brushes. He he scrapes it by like, <laughs> with a toe. Doesn't yeah, he? it's, I mean, it's, it's very, a tiny little bit of it's contact. It's very, 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 very minuscule if there is any contact. But um, and certainly not doesn't doesn't um, make your other leg fly out from underneath <laughs> you. So no. it's a dive. But I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't get overturned because there was minimal contact. So, and, and when there's contact, you know, they, they normally say, okay, well, he's, he's, that's why he's gone down. So mm. we'll wait and see what the FA decide with that. Um, but in, in, many, in many regards, it doesn't really matter for Albion. Um, the concerning thing is that he was allowed to pretty much ghost into the box without anybody tackling him. Yeah. Um, that's more concerning. That's what Jimmy Shan said afterwards. And the fact that Bartley got nowhere near the ball as well, that's more concerning than, mm-hmm. than the fact that the penalty was given. Because, um, you know, as we're all aware, that game well, didn't mean that much to Albion. Um, but it's about what they do next. Um, I think the more concerning thing was the how Robson Carney red card. Yeah, that's the thing I was about to get onto. Because for me, when you're going into the last game of the season, you know you're in the playoffs. I'm sure the one thing which would have been on every player's mind, and Jimmy Shan would have probably said it to him, is. Don't do anything silly. Don't get yourself sent off. Don't you know go in there like looking looking to get overheated maybe too much. And for me, Robson Carnu, he's I mean, it's petulant. It's not exactly a boot in him, but for me, it reminds me very much of like Beckham Argentina style. I think it is a red card, but I don't know what he's doing. He's an idiot. I mean, he that is such a silly thing to do. It's the it's injury time of the final game of the season. You're three one down. Okay, there might be frustrations that you're losing the game, but Jimmy Shannon just taken off Carl Bartley and Stephanie Hansen, who are on yellow cards, to guard against suspension. Yeah, it was quite obvious he was doing that. And how Robson Carnu goes on, and he does this a lot, by the way. Him and Livermore are guilty of getting into these sort of fracas, but Robson Carnu more so. Um, he can't resist it and. He's he's given the referee. I think it's soft because um, by the letter of the law, it's a red card. But it, it, it's a little flick, isn't it? It's yeah, not it's, really. I mean, to call that violent conduct is probably stretching it. Mm. But um, by the letter of the law, it's a red card because you can't just you can't kick a player off the ball. No, mindless. But the fact to do it when you've got the playoffs coming up, I mean, absolutely mindless. And you know, Albion are going to contemplate appealing it. I think I doubt they'll get the red rescinded, but they might get they might get um, one of the games or maybe two of the games taken off because it, it wasn't exactly violent, was it? Mm. But um, it's it's it was such a stupid thing to do because you just don't give the ref that that chance. He's right in front of him as well. That's the thing. The referee is stood right there. It Doesn't matter. Like it, it, it it's 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 injury time in a point in a, in a not a pointless game, but in, at the end of a game that that doesn't mean anything compared to the playoffs. No, I mean, and he's going to miss. Well, it's three game ban, so it's entirely the playoffs at the moment. If if the ban is knocked down, then you you could see him come back in. But it doesn't help Albion, it doesn't help Shan when you've got Gale and Rodriguez who are going to be starting. If you need a backup striker to come on, he's the only option, really. He's the only option, yeah. I mean, I I don't I think Murphy's far too lightweight to make a, an impact. I suppose you could play Phillips up there, couldn't you? Or you could move to a, to one up top. But it does limit your options, especially mm. if you want to go direct. Yeah. Um. If Villa are penning you, penning you in and, 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 and controlling things, and you think, well, what we need to do, or say you're say you're one nil up at, at Villa Park with twenty minutes to go, and Villa are flooding forward, 
Mm. That could be your perfect time to bring on Harry Robson Carnu. Right, clip it up to him, hit his chest. He's good at winning. What he's good at doing is holding the ball up and winning free kicks. Yeah. Um, that would be the perfect time to do that. Well, now that option is, is gone. Who have they got to do that? I don't see anyone that can do it. Maybe, maybe Rodriguez, but he would probably be knackered after 70 minutes of doing his normal job. So Exactly. I just, I, it's, it's, it was such a petulant and pointless kick, and I don't know what was going through his head. I don't know. Clearly, the red mist just descended. Anyway, um, Albion did miss out on third place, but in reality, is that a bit of a good thing? Because as you said, Derby, I mean, they did, they did the double over Albion. They looked, they looked very good first game. Yeah, but they wouldn't have played Derby if they'd beaten Derby. They wouldn't have played Derby. Have I, have I done my maths wrong? They would have played Middlesbrough. Ah, oh, yes, good point. Because well, Darby, even well, even still, because Derby would have lost. Even still, if they're playing Borough, then they're playing Tony Pulis, and you don't fancy that. But purely, I mean, in a purely selfish world, I'm actually quite glad that they're not playing Middlesbrough um, away from home on a Saturday night at five fifteen or whatever it is, uh, because I don't fancy that trip. And nor would I and Matt Mayer. Well, Matt Mayer especially because he would he was looking at a trip to Leeds. Yeah, well that's okay. That's not too bad. Middles- it's not quite as far, but it's still far. Yeah, Middlesbrough is much further. A bit further than four miles. Huh? Bit further, bit further than, than four, four miles. miles. Yes, it is indeed. And and you know that's and uh, I, I don't. I think Borough probably would have been slightly easier to to play against. But then you've got the Pulis factor, and he's just brilliant against his former clubs. He seems to hold a hoodoo over them. He beat an Albion twice this season as well. Um, and I don't think that this team really de- deals well with expectation and and being the over, you know being for want of a better word, the overdog. Mm. I think they're better at being the underdog. And I think actually that sort of plays into their hands. You know, they did it for years in the Premier League. Now there's a bit of pressure on Villa because people are expecting them to beat Albion. I think yeah. it will ramp up as the week goes on. I think I've seen that as the next far build up to this game goes, people will think, oh, it'll be Villa leads or, you know, it's going to be Villa in the, Villa will get through. Villa, Villa will win the, the final. And I think Actually, being that underdog might help Albion, and having that first leg at Villa Park might help Albion, provided they don't get absolutely blown away. Mm. Taking them back to the Hawthorns with a with a draw, slender lead, even if they're just one goal behind, they they will still have a chance. So yeah. I, th- I think that might actually play into their hands. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm quite glad they missed Pulis and Borough, even though uh, I don't think Borough are anywhere near as, as good as Villa. But I just think it suits Albion maybe a little better. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with you there. Um, right, let's get on to questions. Um, as always, plenty of them. Um, the first one comes from Double Doink, and he asks a question which I was thinking earlier on when I was just looking at the stats for the Albion squad. Where the hell is Jefferson Montero? Well, Montero just is... I don't think he's fit enough. Um, that's the that's essentially it. I mean, he... If anyone watched his games, uh, I think it was a QPR? Mm-hmm. He scored after five minutes in his first touch, but then after that he didn't do anything and he looked quite off the pace. He didn't start a single game for Swansea this season before he arrived at Albion. He's obviously not match fit. I think it, they've, they 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 were trying to give him drip feeding minutes, sort of back and back when Darren Moore was was coached. But I think um, you know Jimmy Shan, he's fallen behind Carl Edwards in the pecking order, mm-hmm. and I, don't, I just don't see. A way back for him. He's, he's not going to feature in the playoffs, so, barring an injury crisis. I think he's right to do that as well because you look at it. He's like you got him on loan, when you've got a young player who's you know going to be one of you know for the future. 
it just makes it's a no brainer, isn't it? You yeah, know? I mean, the thing is, I actually thought it was quite a good signing when it happened because whenever I've seen Montero, I've really liked him. He's always looked dangerous. Mm. He's got a bit of a spark about him, I think. But um, no, he's not. If you if you're not match sharp or match fit, then there's no use for you. And I, I think he's been disappointing in the minutes he has played. And I don't, I don't see any way back for him. I think he'll just go back to Swansea in the, in the summer, and that'd be that. Yeah, seems like a highlight package player to me. Yeah, he is sort of, isn't he? I suppose, but um, I, I think there are better options, and, and particularly with the system that Albion are playing, it's three-five-two. You know, they don't have wingers anyway. Don't know where mm. Montero fits into that system. He doesn't basically. Um, he's behind Phillips and Edwards and Murphy as a wing as a winger. So I don't see where he. There's just no place for him. Yeah. Uh, Paul Chappell asks has there actually been any improvement at all since Moore went tactics are still hit and miss with moments of brilliance covering generally generally poor performances formation is still suspect players look lost and confused mm, I think that's harsh I think I think there's been I think there has been an improvement not that they've ever really convincingly battered anybody um, but I think they there, there has been an improvement overall I think when Darren was sacked. There was a genuine concern they might fall out the playoffs. Yeah, and they've won six out of ten games under Jimmy Sham, which is, you know, a sixty percent win record. Is I think I think that's the best in the league, or it's just quite close to being the best in the division. Now, some of those, some of those, not all those victories were convincing. You know, mm-hmm. the Swansea game particularly, um, and there were a couple of others. But I think there has been a, there has been an improvement, and I think that Shan has. Um, Shan looks more. You know, the, the, his decision to play a more pragmatic style has helped, and also I think he looks more uh, likely to to affect games in you know whilst they're taking place with with substitutes off the bench. I think he makes a more more sensible uh, substitutions than perhaps Darren did. Mm. Um, Indigit Singh, if and I think it's the longest of long shots, we go up. Will we just come straight back down? It's impossible to know because you've got a new technical director in Luke Dowling who hasn't had a summer yet. So we've got to wait and see what sort of recruitment he brings to the club, whether they go up or whether they don't go up. You know, he didn't. There's not much you can do in January, really. Yeah. Um, and what they did do, I suppose, Mason Holgate's been a success. Although I think that was lined up by Darren before the January transfer window. I would say Stefan Johansson is potentially. He's been a bit hit and miss, a bit hot and cold, but I think he potentially could be a success depending on how the playoffs go. Mm. Um, you know, he's in the team at the moment. Obviously, Montero's not been a, it's been a flop, and um, who was the other one? Jacob Murphy's been a bit. I think he's been a bit of a flop as well. So, fifty um, percent strike rate so far, but it's a very small pool, and I think it, you know you. It's all about recruitment, and when you go up, if you get it right, then you've got a chance. Um, they've also got to obviously find the right manager. So yeah, um, it depends on on how on how Luke Dowling gets on in the summer. Um, but look, there's no there's there's no guarantee that they will go straight back down. There are some, for my money, there, there are some poor teams in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, and but saying that, you know, I think there's also no guarantee that that that, that they would stay up because, um, especially if they kept a lot of this squad because this squad was just relegated yeah. 12 months ago yeah I mean as, as going on from that point you look at the Premier League table this year and I'll tell you what I mean they always say the 40 points is a magical mark 
the moment I think it's like 32 points keeps you up yeah 35 these days tends to keep you up doesn't it um, yeah, I mean it's, it's just especially with the, the way that the I mean not the top six but especially the way the top two are going I mean there is yeah it's 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 not as much as it used to be um, but you don't know I mean you don't know how Norwich and Sheffield United are going to get on um, you don't know how Brighton are going to react to, mm. to staying up this season um, you know it's it's uh, it's a big if though because at the moment you know I've got to get through three games yeah. to get there yeah three tough three games three tough games as well um, Greg Saunders um, have you ever known a team going into the playoffs with such a feeling of apathy amongst the fans you, you kind of touched on this before and I think you could tell from the fan videos from the respective games that we did I mean the Albion fans were going in saying oh Villa you know it's going to be really really tough and the Villa fans were saying bring them on it's just it's such a weird kind of contrast between the fan bases at the moment yeah I write about this on Saturday's paper and, it, and it's it's Albion have finished fourth in the league and they've scored nearly 90 goals. And yet the overriding feeling is, is not one of celebration, it's one of frustration. You know, yeah. they, you look at Stoke and Swansea, you could argue that Albion have navigated the relegation much better than those sides mm-hmm. with two inexperienced head coaches as well. Um, but I think I think that apathy is, 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 is due to a number of, of, number of things. Firstly, the uncertainty at the top. Yeah. You've got um, uncertainty surrounding the future of the club in terms of ownership. Would, would, would Grouch and Lai still want to keep the club if they if they don't bounce back in the next couple of years? You've got um, uncertainty surrounding, um, I suppose, that the board's decision-making. Although perhaps second Darren Moore was justified, the fact they haven't replaced him, um, even if it's understandable that they couldn't find somebody to, to do the job of... of both navigating the playoffs and um, being good next season in the Premier League or the Championship, it still doesn't um, instill confidence in the fan base. Mm. So the fans don't have any confidence in the people making the decisions. They obviously are urging Jimmy Shanto as well as he can, but do they have confidence in him purely because of his experience? That's nothing to say anything bad about Jimmy Shan, but mm-hmm. it's just that's the reality of the situation. Whereas at other clubs, you can see a... You can see a plan. Yeah. You, know, you can see a future. You can see um, what they are trying to do. You can see. Um, you essentially can see, yeah, a plan. That is essentially it. And you can't see that at Albion at the moment. That's not to say there isn't one, but at the moment you can't see one, and it's it it's it's concerning. Um, and I think that's why um, there's there is so much negativity. It's odd. It's not odd, but it's. It's. It might not be helpful. That's the thing. Is mm-hmm. is that this negativity, not from the fans, but from that has stemmed from the clubs, uh, the way that the club has dealt with the past. I would say eighteen months to two years has not necessarily. You no, know, you look at um, the lap of appreciation at Villa or at yeah. Derby and compare it to Albion's. It's just completely different. Mm. I think. To compare Albion to Villa as well, you also have to go through some bad times to get the good times. Yeah. So Villa, obviously, how many seasons have Villa been down now? Two. Uh, yeah. So this is the third season. Just this is the third season. Them. So they've almost had that disappointment. They've obviously had the disappointment of, of missing out on promotion. They've had the disappointment of Wembley. 
and, and this year they were never expected to get in the playoffs. They were mid-table in, in February, March, weren't they? Yeah. And there was no expectation. They thought, oh, well, our season is done. Um, I can remember Matt Mayer, the Villa reporter, saying, oh, the season's done after that after they lost 2-0 with Villa. Yeah. Um, after they lost 2-0 to Albion, sorry. And so they're, all, they're on an upward trend. Mm. So you almost have to have those down times before you have... The good times, you know, you you have to have what Norwich had when they last season when they finished sixteenth. You know, you saw Derby. You have to have a few seasons where you you don't make make uh, the top six or you don't for it to be an achievement. Whereas Albion at the moment, the fourth place is, um, you know, one of the lowest fourth place in the championship is one of the lowest positions that they've um, finished in the football pyramid for a number of years. Yeah. So it represents one of the lowest ebbs in recent years. That's why there's so much negativity. Mm-hmm. You know, not since the days of Gary Megson have they finished lower than fourth, I don't think. Oh, well, back at, oh, yeah, there was, that was when they finished sixth, I think. So it's been a long time since they finished lower than this. Lower than this. Yeah. That's why um, there's negativity. You have to have those bad days. Now, were Albion to miss out on the playoffs this season, um, I think um, if they appointed them, if they appointed a manager in the summer, uh, maybe had a bit of an overhaul of, of the playing staff, and got into the top six next year, mm-hmm. I think it would be. Res- um, I think the fan base would respond to it a lot better. You've because you've also got the managerial um, farce mm-hmm. that has taken place over the last few weeks and months that hasn't ha- that hasn't helped as well. Mm. Um, so that, that's why I think, even though I've been a fourth and they finished above Villa the moods in the camps and the moods at the clubs are so much more different. Yeah, um, very well put, Matt. Um, Liam, what WBA, uh, are we ever actually going to get a manager in? <laughs> yeah, at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, Richard Guest asks, if all fit, which three should play in central midfield? We're going to get round to that in a little segment we've got prepared, Richard, so hopefully that answers that one for you. Um, Leo Watkins, um, is centre-back actually Dawson's best position or has he just had an off year? For me, he's been worse at centre-back against worse opposition. And in the Premier League, at right back, he was one of our best players. Well, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think um, he was quite solid at right back. You've got to remember though that they, they, those defenders had a lot of protection under. Yeah, you're playing Pulis. Football. Tony Pulis. You know, you had a uh, two hard midfielders in front of you. They, they, yeah, there was a lot of protection there. So I don't know. Um, I think Daw- I think Dawson's season has um, been up and down. Primarily because of what happened last summer, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think um, that's probably why. Um, if he goes, if he goes in the summer, um, you could see him going in the summer, couldn't you? But if he doesn't go, I think there might be it might be a different Dawson next year. Yeah, uh, does Jakeways? How does Jimmy get out of l- lacklustre mode? Although results have been good, performances have been a bit pedestrian. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I just think there's there's, there's not much pace in the team, is there? And I think Albion don't play football at a pace that the, the likes of Derby do, mm. or Swansea, or Sheffield United, or Norwich. I just think they just don't play football at that pace because of the players they've got. We'll see if it's enough to get him through. Yep, uh, Andrew Weller. Do you see any interesting comparisons between our manager situation and that of Manchester United? For example, hiring a favoured former player to manage and then having buyer's remorse. Yeah, I think there are plenty of parallels between between that. Um, you know, and and it's worth remembering who made that call last summer to give Darren Moore the job over Dean Smith, because obviously that will that decision is going to come under the spotlight this week with 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 the playoffs looming against Villa. Um, 
and it was Grouch Online. You know, that was the yeah. owner, that was the owner's call when there were other members of the board who were who were plumping for Smith. Um, and I think he probably got um, seduced by those victories over Man United and Spurs. And look, there's nothing wrong with that because I think I think fans, although it ended up being a, a poor decision, I think fans. I think some fans, maybe the majority, I'm not sure, but I think a lot of fans were were glad that he got a chance because, yes, you want your club to be the best it can be and finish the highest it can, but there's also something to be said for the emotional attachment to it. And actually, mm. had they not given Down a chance, we'd, we would have always always have wondered, what if? Yeah, We would have always, well, be, but you, you know, you, you might have been onto something good there. You don't know. Mm. Now, what happened has happened and everyone knows. Um, and things changed obviously over the course of the season um, but I'm still kind of glad that they gave him the chance I'm still kind of glad that, that, that Darren got that chance to, to you know yeah, to uh, to give it a shot because I, it, otherwise if you take all emotion out of football then what are you watching? Yeah just a bunch of men running around a pitch no real connection exactly and you know it, it, yes okay it ended up Turning sour towards the end, but never got too bad though. Didn't get too bad with his relationship, and you know, he, he, I'm glad they did it. Yeah, uh, Cads says thanks for the podcast. They're great. Uh, thank you for that. But what's happened to Jake Livermore? He's injured. He's got a, an ankle problem that was supposed to have been fixed. Um, I think by my, I think he was fifty-fifty for the Rotherham game. And obviously he didn't play in that and obviously nowhere to be seen as well against uh, Derby. So um, I think he's probably still giving him jip. But, but I also don't think he's in that Jimmy Shan's first 11 at the moment. Mm. I think Shan prefers um, Brunt, Harper and Johansson. So I think there's a bit of that as well. You talk about players who were you know, keeping their cool as well. And I tell you what, in a playoff Derby semi-final, Jake Livermore, I don't know whether he'd go into it with a lot of zest, but he could, you know, Cause I'll be in a little bit of trouble as well if he gets too heated. Yeah, but then you look at the, the other players. You know, Johansson loves a yellow card. Um, Harper, young lad. I don't think I've never seen him really get um, heated. Harper, mm. to be honest. I mean, if anything, he's a bit too ice cold, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I, I take your point. Although you know, you might want that sort of experience in the plus. We don't know. I, I, it's difficult to know because you know. They're completely different games. Mm. Uh, Benny B, are the trio of Rondon, Neom and Yuning available for the playoffs now their loans are coming to an end? Imagine that, Zhang Yuning, first start in a playoff semi-final against well, Aston Villa. He's no longer an Albion player, so there's <laughs> no way he can play. And uh, No, they can't play. Those players, those loan players can't play, so um, uh, there's no chance of Rondon or, um, or Burke playing. Right, okay then. Um, so, thank you again for all the questions, guys. Um, we're going to get on to an, an interview now, which... Um, we're going to call uh, someone you may know from BBC Radio 2, BBC WM, big West Brom fan, Richie Anderson. Hello. Hi, Richie. It's Matt. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? You all right? I'm very well, mate. How are you? Really, really good. Thank you. Good stuff. Uh, thanks for doing this. No, it's fine. Thank you for having me on. I love the podcast, so thank you so much. That's brilliant. Well, it's good to have a proper broadcaster on. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but thank you. <laughs> So just uh, introduce yourself to those uh, those people on the podcast who don't know you. Uh, so my name's Richie Anderson. I am from Smethwick in the Black Country. I am 31 years of age. 
Uh, you can hear me every morning on the Zoe Ball Breakfast Show on BBC Radio 2. Uh, and I also do a show every Saturday morning on BBC WM in the West Midlands. I'm a season ticket holder in the Smedican. My shoe size is 10 and I've got a big mouth. <laughs> Fantastic. What a bio. So um, talk to me about your season then, Richie. How have you found um, following Albion this year? Um, it, it's been an interesting. It's been a, to use a cliche. It's been a bit like a roller coaster. Um, I mean, it, it just feels like so much has happened over the course of this season, and I kind of feel like it, 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 there's always been a sort of an underlying feeling of everybody not being happy or everybody not singing from the same hymn sheet. No matter how hard we in the table, no matter how the results are going, um, it's been an interesting one, really. I, I kind of feel at the moment. Um, there's a lot of Albion fans who are struggling to feel connected with a football club um, and I, I always have a big issue with that we've obviously got Villa coming up in the playoffs and I think they're the opposite at the moment you look at Villa fans and they're very connected to their football club they're very confident um, they really love Aston Villa at the moment I think Albion's the opposite um, and, and that really worries me I, I think at the start of the season there was the romance there because I put a tweet up at the start of the season that, that Darren Moore was our manager he led us to two promotions as a player he was a warrior as a player he was the club captain uh, wouldn't it be fantastic if he could do it as a manager um, and then we were obviously fourth in the table and he got sacked um, so it's, it's just like a strange club to support at the moment I, I, I'm into sort of like my TV dramas and I kind of feel like Albion puts me through the same kind of mill of emotions that I do when I'm watching a TV drama where one minute I'm up the next time I'm down I don't know if we're coming or going when I expect us to do badly we win when I expect us to do well we lose so at the moment I, I, I can't even predict the playoffs that's coming up but I'm so nervous for them well, you talk about that roller coaster of emotions. Isn't that the whole point of football? Yeah, I, do you know I absolutely love it. Like I, I, I kind of think we were moaning for years when we had a turning period, said it was boring and we weren't going anywhere. Um, I'm one of those people, Matt, I'm not going to lie. I'd love my cake and eat it too, you know what I mean? I'd like us to be at the top and winning every week and playing good football. But then again, I, I guess you appreciate it less uh, when it's going well. Um, do, do you know what? It, at the start of the season... Um, when when the season started, I presented the first football phone of the season on BBC WM. I don't know how that happened. Frankie was off and the cleaner must have been busy or something because they resorted to letting me do it. Um, and it was actually a Villa fan who rang in and said, um, what what would be successful for Albion this season? Where do you think Albion are going to finish? And I said, I think we'll finish in the top 10. So I, I, I could have saw us finishing anywhere between first and winning the league down to 10. So the fact that we finished fourth and we're going into the playoffs, and we are three games away from the Premier League, is a big deal, really, and it's quite exciting. But I don't know about you, but I, I know Twitter isn't always sort of like um, a great meter stick for the, the, the kind of general view of football fans, but there just seems to be this sort of air of gloom over West Brom at the minute, and I, I don't get why, you know. I, you look, my other half, Dean, bless him, is a Stoke City supporter. They've had a disastrous season. They were expected to, to walk the league. Swansea have, have finished, is it mid-table or... Definitely not in the playoffs. So the fact that we're fourth and we're up there is great. And for me, I, I've quite enjoyed, in a way, going. The, the championship is every Saturday, it's every Tuesday. You don't know what's going to happen next. It's a bit like a bag of revels. You put your hand in, you don't know what you're going to pull out. And I, I quite like that uncertainty. I, I quite like to live life um, flying by the seam of my pants. So I've quite enjoyed it in a weird, perverse sort of way this season. Yeah, well, I think I think a lot of people have, but I, we were just touching on what you said as well about the the negativity and the gloom. And I think 
um, as we said earlier in the podcast, um, but you didn't hear it, you, was we were basically saying you have to have the bad times to have the good times, which is why you saw the um, the celebrations at Derby. It's why you saw also at Villa that you know they're celebrating because they've had a couple of seasons where they haven't made it. Um, and I think if Albion finished fourth next season and got into the playoffs, it would probably be received quite a bit better. And on top of that, you've got all the managerial farce as well that, that I don't think has helped. Yeah, um, but, but that's why it's great to support someone like West Brom rather than Manchester United because, you know, if we go away and win somewhere 1-0 on a Tuesday night, we kind of celebrate like we've won the cup. Whereas if you're a Man United fan, it's like, oh, we're expected to win. Maybe Man United is not a good example at the minute because they're rubbish <laughs> as well, but maybe like Manchester City. Um, but with, with Albion at the minute, the one thing that I would say to the supporters is they need us so much in the playoffs. We are, we've got to be that 12th man in the playoffs because I think Dean Smith has said this, hasn't he? Villa Park is going to be rocking on Saturday for that first playoff leg and we have got to reciprocate that at the Hawthorns. And this is kind of my analogy. I think at the moment, for a lot of Albion fans, and I don't include myself in this, I've got to put it out there, I think, you know, it's been a great season, the fact we finished fourth. Although, the, what happened with Darren Moore was, was sad because I love him and it would have been brilliant if he was the man to take us up and he should be the man to take us up, but that's a different story. Uh, my analogy, it's a bit like if you're in a marriage where it's not going well. You know what I mean? You're arguing a lot at the minute, you may be sleeping in separate beds, but this weekend, you've got to go and visit your in-laws who are like, you, you know, their marriage looks like a bed of roses. That's Villa. I'm going somewhere with this analogy, you know, and, and they're the ones who are always doubting you. But you've got to go to your in-laws on the weekend and put on a shirt. Do you know, you've got to make it like your marriage is brilliant as well. So when we're at Villa Park, when they come to the Hawthorns, we've got to be united. We've got to be behind the team. We've got to put all the doubts aside, all the negativity on Twitter aside. And for those two matches, and hopefully, Matt, with three matches, we've, we've got to put on this united marriage front and get behind the players. I, I think the key, if we can come out of Villa Park unscathed and we're still in the game for that second leg, which, fingers crossed, we are, um, the crowd at the Hawthorns are going to be key. They really are. And I know it's a real cliche to say, but I've been at Villa Park when they've had big matches. I've been there when they played Birmingham. And it's a bit like Anfield at Villa Park. Like when they have to turn it on, they can. It's a bit like a tap. And it's going to be like when we, when we were there in the FA Cup. It's like a wall of noise when you're playing against the Villa Park crowd. So not only have our players got to attend with their team, um, we've got to attend with, with their fans as well. And their fans at the moment, you know, Villa fans are very good at not being modest, aren't they? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I kind of feel like we've got a lot on our plate and we, we've got to turn that on when they come to the Hawthorns. We need every fan to put aside any bit of doubt they've got and bring their A game. We, you know, we, we if, if the players don't win and we walk out that stadium where we've not sung our hearts out for nine minutes, we can't, we can't complain. Every army fan needs to leave that home leg with no voice left. We are the key, especially if the game is still in the balance. We can be the key. We can be the tipping point on those scales. I really believe it. That's a fantastic analogy, Richie. And I think, you know, considering how well your um, your performance at the Hawthorns went down in the week, I'm sure a lot of fans will uh, will heed your advice and, and take it on board. So um, thanks very much for, for spending some time with us today, Richie. And uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to watch the games, are you? Have you got tickets? Yeah, well, I'm I'm going to the away leg at Villa Park. Um, the situation with me is, I, I'm obviously now I'm on radio too. I live in London, um, so I, I'm manoeuvring at the moment to uh, finish the, sh- the show on the Tuesday because it's Tuesday, isn't it? Tuesday the fourteenth. Get the train up, watch the the match, and then I need to get back down to London to be up 
and ready at 6 a.m. the next morning. So I need to be at Radio 2 for 6 o'clock in the morning. So I'm anticipating... So the last train from New Street down to London is... Um, is 10 past 11 and that would get me into, into London for a uh, quarter past one and that's fine if it goes for extra time and penalties then I need to get the coach from Birmingham at gone midnight and I won't get into London until five o'clock in the morning then I'm on air at 6 a.m. the next morning that is dedication that... and I've got a feeling that um, I'm going to have a moment of realisation if I'm on that coach at five o'clock in the morning coming into London I'm, I'm either going to have that feeling as a football fan where you think this is why it's worth it you know I'm happy that I'm going to go on air like a deranged man on a lack of sleep. But this is what you do because we're going to Wembley. Oh, I'm going to have that realisation. Why, why do we do this as football fans? Um, so, sorry, I'm going on the long tangent route to your question. Yes, I'll be at the matches. <laughs> Fantastic. It sounds like you're, uh, you're one of the diehards as well. Cheers, Richie. Appreciate all your Thank time. Thank you so much for having me. I love the podcast. Thank you so much. Cheers, mate. See you soon. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. What a rallying cry. What a what a guy! I mean, I think every every fan that um, was at the game where Richie was um, doing the mics will remember that he got the atmosphere pumping. So he's he's a great guy, Richie, mad Albion fan, as you heard. And I love his I love his analogy there about um, you know putting on a front mm. with, with the wife um, when you go into the in laws. And I think he's I think he's spot on. You know, you got you got two or three games here where. Um, Forget the, the, what's happened over the course of the season. Forget what's happened over the course of the last two seasons, even. Try and get them back up and then, you know, repair that um, repair that relationship over the summer um, on your summer holidays when you've got time to, to talk it through with, um, with the missus. I think, what, 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 an, what an analogy, what a guy. And, yeah, um, be great to, hopefully, he gets back on that coach and he's got something to celebrate. I sense a comment piece coming on, Matt. I'm not going to nick that from Richie. You know, I wish I wish I'd thought of that myself, but he's obviously a, a cleverer man than me. Yeah, uh, worth mentioning as well. Patron of Proud Baddies, Baggies, and they do fantastic work. So, thanks for joining us there, Richie. Right, uh, it moves us on perfectly because we're going to talk about West Brom Villa now and the pressure around it. Obviously, Leeds third, Albion fourth, Villa fifth, Derby sixth. Who's best placed? Do you think out of those four teams heading into the playoffs? It's a very good question. Um, do you know what? Before the weekend, I thought. I thought people were writing off Leeds far too early. Mm. Um, I thought Leeds, Leeds would come again. But then to see them lose to Ipswich like that does give me doubts about them. I would not be surprised if Derby beat them now in, in that semi-final. I know Leeds have beaten Derby twice this season. I know Derby are, are, are apparently soft-centred, but from what I saw on um, on Sunday, Derby have got some very talented players and they've got the ability to, to really hurt Leeds especially their dodgy back line. I think um, Derby's back line itself is, is, is a lot stronger than I thought it would be. Tamori looks like a great player. Jaden Bogle looks like a great player at 18. Mm. Um, I think they've got a, a very, um, you know, even Bradley Johnson gives you that experience in that anchor role in midfield. I think Derby could could turn Leeds over in that semi-final. Um, in terms of Albion Villa, you know, as, as I've said before, I think it will go down to, to the odd goal. Um, I, think you, I think you have to make Villa slight favourites just because of the momentum but I'm not writing Albion off by any stretch I think they, when you've got the firepower that Albion have and the, and the experience that Albion have you simply can't write them off mm, agree with you completely um, who would you rather in the final Matt if you get there neither um, <laughs> I think Derby have got the, the beating of Albion this season you know they've beaten 4-1 and 3-1 they've also got that um, you know <laughs> there was that it's mirroring that playoff final all those years ago when um when, when Darren Moore was on the Derby team and that beat Albion um, after Albion beat one of their rivals in the semi-finals. Yeah. So there's a bit of um, 
mirroring going on there. I wouldn't like to face Derby. I also wouldn't necessarily like to face Leeds because if Leeds have come through um, yeah, that, that semi-final against Derby, they will have the bit between their teeth to make sure that they don't mess up their second chance of going up. So I think if Albion do get through, whoever it is, it'll be very difficult. Um, and I'll, I'll, I actually wouldn't make Albion favourites in the final. I mean, depending on, you know, if they... If they they swap the other sides, then maybe, but yeah. I, I, I can't see them being favourites in the final anyway. So, you know, I, I hate to say it really, but I, I think Albion probably go in on, on the lowest ebb, which is strange for a team that's in fourth and has won six of its last ten games. But I, I just think I just think that's probably the situation uh, as it is. Um, actually, that's probably unfair. Probably Leeds going at the lowest ebb, um, and followed by Albion. But I think Villa and Derby are the two informed sides. Mm, right, and um, we did talk earlier about you know the midfield situation and you know who who plays for Albion and I've come up with a little bit of a segment it's called play or pass I'm going to give you a player and you're going to tell me whether you think they will play over the two legs uh, or should I say start uh, so the first one Matt Phillips would you play or pass would I play or pass him yeah so if it was me you can discuss it over both legs as if well it because, me, you know. I'd, if it was me I would play him um, but I don't think he's going to start the first leg I think he could start the second leg, but I don't think he'll start the first leg. Hmm. Stefan Johansson? Um, I would play him, um, and I think he probably will start the first leg, because I think he does offer you an attacking threat for midfield. Um, and I think... I, and do you know what? For the first 50 minutes against Derby, I, there was a bit of uh, discipline in there as well from him and Harper. So I'm, I'm, I would play him. Rakeem Harper? I think he will start again in the first leg, um, but he is the one that I think will probably drop out for Phillips. Um, but I think he starts the first leg. Jacob Murphy? No, I would no. not. I would not start him. What about Kyle Edwards? No, I, I, Kyle Edwards is. I like Kyle Edwards a lot. He's a very talented young player, but um, I don't think he he he's not. He's probably third choice for that right wing back role in the current system and you know if you're going to not play if Holgate gets an injury you probably play Phillips there mm. Sam Field now a lot of fans on a, you know on social media are calling for Sam Field a little bit they feel like he could offer some, some strength to that midfield I think he could offer some strength to that midfield and I'll tell you why I think he's the only one capable of doing the job that needs to be done on Grealish which is a one you know a one on one follow him around everywhere mm. and limit him by getting in amongst him I don't know whether Sam is quick enough to do it um, and you know I know that I think I think um, but I do think he's probably got the best chance of doing it so I can see why you, you would play him but for me I don't think he's going to start because he would have started the last three or four games because I've been gearing up towards the playoffs in these last three mm. or four games. It's quite obvious what Shan thinks his best side is. It's a 3-5-2 with Brunt, Johansson and Harper. I think he believes that gives him um, a, ba- a bit of balance in there. I completely get the the calls for Sam Field. I've made them myself, the, the case that he could actually um, be the, the guy that mops up the danger. I think he's great at that. And I think, do you know what? If Albion, if Albion had a lead at the Hawthorns, two goal or a one goal lead going into the last 20 minutes Sam feels not a bad shout to come off the bench yeah. help mop up the danger because he's very very astute um, and, and senses danger better than other midfielders but I think Brunt is the first choice in that role and I expect him to start 
I was just going to add, if Gareth Barry was fit, do you think he makes a starting eleven? It's a tough question because I think Brunt has been very creative under Shan, and almost everything goes through him. I mean, you look at the the games that they, the last five games, that they've won all the games that Brunt has played, and they drew against Reading and lost to Derby when Brunt wasn't wasn't there. I think he's. Yeah. I think he's quite important to this side. So, but I think Barry was was brilliant before he got injured. So, yeah, I could, and he was brilliant at Villain Park as well, wasn't he? Um, yeah. I, I I could see why you would you would play Barry there, but um, especially maybe with Johansson and Harper alongside him. You, you, but I think I think Brunt gives you more. Uh, what's the word? He, he's, he's just more creative. He, he looks forward with a pass a bit more. Mm. I think he's playing quite well at the moment. So. And also, um, you know, I'm not I'm not suggesting any. It doesn't mean anything to any any other players, but it means a lot to Brunt. You know, he's been at this club for twelve years. Yeah, he, this this means a lot to him. Um, so that's why I would I think in that situation in this pressure in this pressure environment I would go with Brunt. Capable of a magic moment too, isn't he? Yeah, although you know, so is Barry. I mean, Barry scored a goal a goal or two this season, but yeah, I think I think. Um, and you know Barry's been has been fantastic at times this season, but I think just right at this moment, I think Brunt is Brunt is the man. Obviously, Barry's injured, so it's it's, it's kind of moot. But yeah, yeah, I would go would be going with Brunt. Yeah, so that one wraps that up nicely. Um, so we discussed the psychological edge already. I mean, the contrast between the sides is is quite stark at the moment. But in terms of strength, in terms of like playing on the pitch. Who has who has who has the better of each side? So in goal, I'd argue that you know West Brom and Sam Johnston, you know, obviously add some subplot to the story. But you know, Villa have bounced around goalkeepers. They've had steering goal for recently. Kalinchitz is back fit, but he hasn't exactly you know pulled up tr- pulled up trees since he's got here uh, since he's got to Villa, should I say? I think Sam Johnston probably takes the edge there. I think so. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 he's not been faultless this season, Sam Johnston. But one thing he is, and that's a good shot stopper. And I think he made a really important stop at Villa Park early on last time around. He made quite a few important saves at Derby as well. And he sort of got lost in the, in, in, in the defeat because um, there was a lot going on that day. But um, he made quite a few saves as well. So I think he's a good shot stopper, um, particularly from, from close range. So, um, you know, I, I think Sam Johnson probably edges that. What about the back line? It's not so cut and dry. I mean... <sighs> Mings has been fantastic for Villa. Another subplot, and and so has Hawes. I mean, two players Albion were looking at in January. Yeah, I mean, having seen them, Mings, I mean, has has been a standout since he's arrived. But then you look at Albion, and I see Hagazi, and Hagazi's been probably the most consistent at the back. But then I look at Carl Bartley, and I think Albion can be got out there. Yeah, they probably can. Um, I'm more concerned about Dawson's form to be honest. I think Bartley's been all right this this in the last few days, last mm. few games. Sorry. More concerned about Dawson's form. Um, I think that's. I think. Yeah, if you're going on form, you'd have to say that Villa edged that because they haven't conceded many goals recently. On the flanks, though, Albion have got quality. Holgate, Gibbs, those are two Premier League fullbacks. Yeah, and I think that's why they're playing wing back, isn't it? Because the, you know you're trying to get the best out of them, and, and they are attacking fullbacks that, that can not, not only do you do a job defensively, but also get you forward. So. Um, you probably say Albion shade the fullback area ahead of who's going to play there for Villa Taylor and uh, Taylor and Elmo probably uh, yeah. Elmo Hamadi. Yeah, uh, no Alan Hutton. He came in and it was very much it seemed like a farewell against Norwich. He came in, he captained the side. Right. Okay. And it was it was one of them where then you know the, he was almost on 
and the fans gave him you know a fair bit of love but personally I think Smith is kind of settled on that 11 there was a reason El Mohamedi didn't play right he was rested he yeah. was rested okay. similarly with a lot of Villa's midfield because you know you saw the likes of Grealish and McGinn not feature and that's that's the big battle I think in the game is the midfield battle I would agree and I think that's the battle that Albin have to get right um, or, they'll, or they'll lose Grealish McGinn and, and it's going to be Hurahan isn't it probably Hurahan or Whelan one of the two one of the two um you wouldn't be surprised to see him play with him, I suppose, just to give you a bit more defensive capabilities. Um, obviously, Hurahan pops up with a few goals, doesn't he? But I think that's where it's going to be one and, one and lost. And I think it's those two in it, Grealish and McGinn. Yeah. If, if Albin can, can deal with them, um, what Fulham did well in it, because I was at the, the playoff final last year, what Fulham did well at the playoff final last year was they fouled Grealish. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of teams have done that this year. You know, okay, he does go looking for the foul. You know, he's almost like Hal Robson Carney in that in that sense. That sometimes he goes looking for the foul, and you stay on your feet, and you, you, you could create a chance there. Mm. But he does get also get kicked a lot, Grealish. And I think Albion need to be canny and they need to share share those uh, fouls around and uh, stop him in his tracks if they can. Mm. Uh, and then up top, of course, I mean, it's I mean, you've got goals galore. I mean, you've got Dwight Gale, you've got J Rod, and you've got Tammy Abraham, all of whom have. You know, scored plenty of goals this season. You imagine this tie isn't going to end one nil over two legs, no. do you? And you got Codra as well, who's playing well, who's back yeah. in form as well. Um, I think Albion probably just about shade that only because I know Tammy Abraham's got twenty five goals this season, but only because he's just coming back from injury, isn't he? Mm. He's just had a bit of a spell on the sidelines. Was rested for the last game, but coming off a shoulder injury. So and I just wonder whether well, Albion having the two of them. If you know, it's been at times this season. It's been like, well, if Gale doesn't get you, Rodriguez will. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I do wonder if Albert. You know, if Abraham has an off night, okay, look, they've got they've got plenty of other players. Al Ghazi, Codger, McGinn chips in with goals now. Grealish as well as has, has added goals. Mm. But I I just think in terms of their forward line, the front two, Albin probably a bit stronger. But um, I agree with you. I think that midfield is the key. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be an intriguing matchup. Who would, if 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 you were putting your team, who would you have in your starting eleven then for Albion? Um, I would be going Johnston, um, Igazi, Dawson, Bartley at the back, Gibson, Holgate wing backs, Brunt, Harper, Johansson, and Gellum Rodriguez, and that's purely because they've played them they've played together, mm. and that's why you know it might not necessarily be the way that I would line up anyway. Um, if I had had the run up to it that Jimmy Shannon's had. Um, I might have gone with Sam Field or I might have um, gone with Matt Phillips. But I think that these players have played together now the last four or five games. And there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, I think that is what he will go with because that is the closest he's got to a settled side. And that's important. And you know what? If if it's not going well, you've got 180 minutes to affect it. It's not like one a one-off. You've got two games there. So as long as you don't go 3-0 down... Um, but even if you do you've got a chance to come back especially with Albion's firepower but I don't think as long as you keep it tight first 20-30 minutes um, you've always got a chance to change it and, and, and tweak it across two legs you know um, I, think, I wouldn't be surprised to see Matty Phillips come on early in the second half at Villa Park try and you know if, if they're losing or if they're drawing or even if they've taken the lead try and you know, finish that finish that first leg strongly, get a goal or two, take it back to the Hawthorns. And if if you go back to the Hawthorns when it's level, 
They've got every chance, haven't they? Certainly do. And I think the one key point worth mentioning as well, as you said, Albion need to need to have a tight ship for the first, say, 20 minutes, half an hour, because they haven't started too strong in a lot of the games this season. And Villa, you know, if they come out of the blocks at home, you don't want to you don't want to be two goals down going into half time, do you? No, you don't. But like I said, it's not as with the two legs, it's not it's not desperate measures if that's the case. Mm. You know, it's like okay, we'll come out second half, try and nick a goal, take a take a two one back. You know, you've got two legs there. It it it's it's a really interesting scenario. So. Um, but you know that you're talking about the worst case scenario there. That, that yeah. But I agree. I think I think they're going to have to manage that because I think that's how that's how Villa started the the previous game at Villa Park. They came flying out, if you remember, mm-hmm. um, and and Arbin weathered that storm and then grew into the match and then scored those two goals at the end of the first half. Sucker punched them, didn't they? And then mm-hmm. took the sting out of the game in the second half. But you can't. You know, it's it's so it's so odd. It's such a different dynamic having two legs. Yeah, certainly is. It's going to be interesting. Give me a playoff prediction, then, Matt. Come on. It will be tight and tense, and no one will have any fingernails by the end of it. I don't know how it's going to end up. I really don't. It's such a hard one to call. I think you have to make the favourites because of the form. Um, uh, but I don't. I, I, I do think that that second leg plays into Albion's hands, and I don't think you can write off Gael and Rodriguez. You know they're they're not injured. No, they're, you're right. You know, obviously still got training sessions to go through. So touch wood, nothing happens. But. Albin have been preparing for this eventuality for the last three or four or five weeks. And if they've got everyone fit and firing and ready to go, you never know. Going to be a hectic week, isn't it, Matt? Going to be very fun. Yeah, certainly. Uh, pray for Matt Wilson and all the work he has to do. Um, but thank you for joining us for this episode. Matt, unless you've got anything else to add, that just about does it. Well, thank you to Richie as well. Um, and I think that we're going to try and uh, do another podcast Later on in the week with uh, our esteemed Villa colleague Matt Mayer, mm-hmm. so um, look out for that as well. And obviously, you know, stay tuned to Express and Star for all your updates. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of build up to the game this week, um, speaking to a, a couple of players and and, uh, and Jimmy Shan later on in the week. So, you know, just look out for that. And um, I think there's going to be a, a, a bit of a special uh, edition as well coming out. Uh, I think it'll be Friday, so uh, just stay tuned uh, for updates on that. You heard the man. 